eloquent in his speech in describing the things of God. So, uh, I, and Apollos was said to have been a very eloquent man in speech. So if that, you know, if, it's very possible it may be Apollos writing here. Um, it was written to the Jewish people uh, because the Jewish people, there was a danger that the Jewish people would slide back into legalism, back into the law, and miss out on the, on the grace of God. So let's go ahead and, and begin with verse 1 of Hebrews. God, who at various times and in various ways spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. God has in the last days spoken to us by his Son. We know that God has spoken to people through prophets. He, pick, he picks a spokesman and speaks to them. But in, in the last days, referring to the days in which Jesus was living, in those days, he spoke to people and he still speaks to us through his word, through Jesus Christ. John 14, chapter 14, 10 reads, Beloved, thou not, thou not that I know Know thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doth the works. So even Jesus himself said every word that he spoke were words spoken to him directly from the Father. The Father was speaking through him, speaking through Jesus. And we also see in the two verses we just read that Jesus was appointed heir of all things, everything in heaven and on earth, he is heir of all things. Now the thing, Chuck Smith says that uh, God at first gave uh, the responsibility of the earth to mankind. Mankind sinned and forfeited his right of responsibility uh, over the earth to Satan. And Jesus, upon the cross and the crucifixion, now has the right, legal right, legal binding right over the earth and the universe and all creation. And he will take complete ownership when he returns for a second time. Through whom he also made the worlds, God through Jesus created and sustains all of creation. So what, is, what, are, what are we being told that Jesus created all things? God created, created the heavens and the earth. Jesus is saying, basically, that he is God. John 1.3 says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything that made that was made. And then verse 3 in Hebrews, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, speaking of God, Jesus being the express image and the glory of God, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person. John 14, 9, Jesus said unto him, have I been, and this, this he's responding to a question, have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? 
He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? So Christianity believes in the Trinity. The God, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is one and the same. And many people have a problem with this because they can't wrap their heads around it. But God is God and he can do whatever he wants. If, if the word of God says that all three are one, then all three are one. Yeah, Jesus takes it a little bit further. We're not gods. Let's get that right. But he says he has made us sons of God, children of God. He has created something new within us spiritually. We're no longer the same. Many people have a hard time with this. Many people have, especially Muslims, one of the biggest issues for Muslims is they do not believe that Jesus is God. But yet, Jesus himself said he was God, incarnate. What does that mean? God came down, wrapped himself in flesh, and presented himself to human beings. If I cannot comprehend that, who am I to try to understand or be equal? I am but a man. But God has said such, and so I believe it. Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is God visiting us to show us the true nature of, of God. Um, let's go on. He had himself perched our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Perched our sins. Perched our sins means cleansed of sin and its enslavement. 1 John 1.7 reads, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See, there was a separation in all mankind because of Adam, his sin. Adam sinned, and we inherited that sin nature. And we're all separated because, because of that sin nature, we're all separated from, from God. But Jesus being sinless and Jesus being the Son of God made a way for us to be forgiven and cleansed, removed the sin from us and forgave us so that we can be presented uh, in a righteous manner to God. And we are created new. We are new beings. Hebrews will tell us, and, and, and I'm perhaps getting ahead of myself in, in chapter 2, Hebrew will tell us over and over that we are children of God. In order for us to go out and go to the nations and profess Jesus Christ, we have to get an understanding of who he truly is and who we truly are. We're not just human beings. We're not just flesh. This is but a shell that exists for a time frame, a small time frame. What is within continues on for eternity. And what is within has been made. We are born what from above, which means what we're born. God has given us birth, new birth spiritually. We are children of God. Amen. We are children of God, all of us. First, we have to understand who Jesus is. Then we have to understand who he is. And then we have to share that good news with the world. And that's coming. That's coming up in the Great Commission. That's coming. Um, Romans 6, 1, 2, Paul says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin 
live any more longer therein. So what Paul is saying that once we've been cleansed and purged, that sin has no more power over us. That sin, whatever sin we struggle with, has no more power. The only power within you that now controls you is the Holy Spirit. The power of sin is gone. And Paul said, you know, a lot of Christians say that uh, once saved, always saved. Yes, true, if you are truly saved, yes. But a lot ask that question with the intent of once saved, always saved, can I continue in sin? Well, if your heart is to continue in sin, then are you truly saved? Because if you're truly saved, your, your heart's desire is not to continue in sin, that, in sin. That's what Paul's saying. Your heart's desire is not to continue in that. Your heart's desire is, thank you now that I can live free of that bondage. Free of that bondage. Um, verse 4, Jesus exalted above angels. Having become so much better than angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name, than they. The last song that Pastor sung today spoke just about those things. The name of Jesus and what it means. That great name. That great name. Uh, Philippians 2 9-11 reads, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He has given Jesus a name above every name. And we know in the Hebrew, Jesus' name is Yeshua. Joshua, Yeshua in Hebrew. And Yahshua in the Hebrew means deliverer and rescuer. And indeed, he is. Jesus is what his name proclaims him to be. He's a deliverer and he's a rescuer. For he has delivered us from sin and rescued us from the penalty of external punishment, of eternal punishment for sin. He is above the angels for the excellent work that he has done to redeem us on the cross. It is a free gift of God, mercy and grace, forgiveness and of sin and a new life in Christ. Uh, verse 5 reads, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son today, I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. So the writer is saying that Jesus has been created above that of angels. Angels were messengers, but Jesus is above angels. Hebrews uh, uh, exalted angels quite a bit, because as we'll see in the text in Hebrews, angels uh, gave the Ten Commandments to Moses and prophesied of things to Daniel and even to John in Revelation. So angels were messengers of God, but Jesus is far above angels. Verse 6, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him and the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Angels are ministers of God, meaning servants of God. Yet Jesus, being God, humbled himself and became man. Became a servant to man. 
that he might be able to represent man, that he might be able to share in our struggles, in our, in our hardness, that he would show us how to overcome sin. Verse 8, but to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. So what, what, what did we just read here? But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God. God is calling Jesus God. John 20 and 28 reads, And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. John 1, 1, In the beginning the Word was with God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word referring to Jesus. The Word was God. Jesus was God. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Of that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse, verses 9 through 12, Jesus, creator of the heavens and the earth. Verse 9, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak, and you will fold them up, and they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not fail. If that's not a description of Jesus being God, I don't know what would be. The only reason why I believe Jesus is God because he himself said, I am God. And furthermore, I'm getting ahead of myself again. Furthermore, he did things to prove things, to prove to us that he is God. God himself confirmed who he was. And I'm getting ahead of myself, so we'll get there when we get there, right? Okay, so let's go. Getting ahead of myself here. Um, fascinating in verses 9 through 10, we see the creation and explanation of the universe explained in verses 11 through 12. We see contraction. Scientists have just now revealed what the Holy Spirit has revealed to us thousands of years ago. What is it? The universe is expanding. And who is responsible for that expansion? Jesus. And the expansion of the universe will one day stop, and according to even scientific evidence, it will begin to contract. And when it contracts, there will be recreation, new birth, a new heaven and a new earth. Interesting. For the National Academy of Sciences, Sciences has been discovered that the universe is expanding and will at some time in the future stop and contract, bringing death or perhaps rebirth of time and space. Gee, the scientists just now figured it out. The Holy Spirit told it to us over 2,000 years ago. How this is all going to play out. What happens, and I'm going to get into relativity, Einstein. What happens when things begin to contract? The timeline gets affected. God knows everything from beginning to end. Time will not even exist. We will just live in eternity with God. 
Yet scientists are just now discovering what the Holy Spirit has said all along. Why? Because he is the creator of it all. He is the one sustaining it, maintaining it. We have to get a revelation of who Jesus is and then profess to the world who he is. Um, verses 13 through 14, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Angels are servant. Jesus is at the right hand of God. Now the author is trying to make a point to the Hebrews that Jesus is above God because the Hebrews put a lot of stock in angels and angels are beautiful ministering spiritual beings and According to scripture, they go with us, they protect us, they guide us, they direct us. And sometimes they're just waiting for us to ask them to help. Verses 5 through 13, uh, the Son of Man lower than angels prophesied by King David. So what we're going to be reading in these verses is something that King David himself, 1,000 years before Jesus was born, said. So... Let's keep, let's keep that in mind as we go into this. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place, saying, now this is King David, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. And set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. Psalms chapter 8. This is King David. 1,000 years before the birth of Jesus. King David through the Holy Spirit was telling us what the author of Hebrews is telling us now. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. So we know King David spoke this 1,000 years before Christ. The world to come will not be managed by angels. The world to come will be managed by Jesus. King David testifies that the Son of Man would be created lower than angels. However, he would be everything, even the angels, all of creation would be in subjection under Jesus. Verse 9, Jesus brings us to God as sons of God. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Jesus was crowned with glory and honor, as illustrated in his resurrection. He died to show us the way that we may receive salvation and eternal life. For verse 10, for it was fitting for him for whom all things and by whom all things and bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. John 15, 15, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known to you. It's interesting, Jesus called his disciples servants, and then he called them friends. 
And before he goes to be with the Father, he calls them brothers. Brothers. What does that, what is Jesus trying to tell us? We are children of God. We are, and, and here's what's more mind-blowing. God chose us. We think we chose him, but he chose us. We have the ability to respond to him, yes or no, but God has chosen us. From, from the beginning of creation, God knew who would accept him and who wouldn't, and that's what's meant by predestination. He chose us. He gives us free choice, and that's evident in Scripture. John 20, 17, Jesus said, Unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. So if God is our Father, that makes us his children. God is not a God that he should lie. And if Jesus is God, then he has lied. Not lied, then we are all children of God. Wrap your head around that one. We're all children of God. Um, verse 11. For both he who, who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly, I will sing uh, praise to you. Psalm 2.22. Verse 13, And again I will put my trust in him, and again here am I and the children whom God has given me. Isaiah 8.17-18. And as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all of their lifetime subject to bondage. And as much then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, just as humans are born in a body of flesh and blood, so also Jesus took on flesh and blood and experienced death in order to defeat and destroy Satan's work, which began with Adam and ended with Jesus. Jesus is our high priest, verse 16, for indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things he, has, he had to be made like his brethren. He might be a merciful and faithful high priest and things pertaining to God to make, it, to make appropriation for the sins of the people for, and that he himself has suffered being tempted is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus is our high priest and understands our humanity because he became human. He, God wrapped himself in flesh, became human and was tempted in the desert for for 40 days by Satan and overcame those temptations. He did not sin. He stayed righteous and therefore took the right, the legal right of Satan to have subjection to the world from him and now it belongs to Jesus Christ. Wow. So... That's verse 16. And um, 
Okay, I'm gonna have to get my bottle because I left some on my notes at home. So, old, <laughs> old school. Let's go to um, Hebrews chapter 2, um, verse 14. Um, Therefore we ought to give, or did I? No. Okay, let's go, to, go ahead, let's go to chapter 2. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, least at any time we should let them slip. So what we're seeing here is therefore we ought to give the most earnest heed. In other words, pay careful attention to the word of God, to the things which we have heard from Jesus, lest at any time we should slip. So whatever Jesus had spoken about, we need to pay particular and specific attention to uh, because just as um, they had received prophecies from angels and because of those prophecies um, you know there was consequences if they did not abide by what the angel said even specifically uh, pertaining to the ten commandments there were consequences and if we do not take heed to what Jesus has said, what the author is saying is that there is a danger in, in sliding, which re is referring to backsliding. So backsliding is something that starts slowly and gradually. You know, backsliding, you, you will start, stop coming to church and eventually uh, you stop praying, and eventually you stop being in your word, and eventually you just backslide and go back into the world. You know, so that's why pay attention to what Jesus has said, and be careful you don't go into backsliding, is what the author is saying. For if the world spoken of by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense or of reward... How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation, which 
at the first, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. So that's the same thing. He's saying that we need to t take seriously everything that Jesus Christ has said because there'll be consequences if we don't obey. If there were consequences to not obeying the Ten Commandments, there are consequences to not uh, obeying the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is that we should love one another as he has loved us. And if we don't remain in Christ and in the light, we can very quickly and easily fall. That's what the uh, author is saying. God also uh, burying them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Now here, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders. So God bore witness of Jesus being the Son of God with signs and wonders. Many people have a hard time understanding or realizing who Jesus is, that he is the Son of God. Yet God confirmed who he was, that he was God, by signs and wonders. The one, the one sign and wonder that proves that he is God, Jesus is God, first, we see that he resurrected three people in the scriptures, right? He resurrected the widow's son, he resurrected Jairus' um, daughter, and he resurrected Lazarus. But most importantly, Jesus was resurrected by himself. Who other than God can resurrect himself? Okay. If, if God were to take my life, I can't resurrect myself. God can resurrect me, but I can't. This is ultimate proof of what God says, what Jesus says, that I am God. If you have seen me, you have seen God. This is ultimate proof. The resurrection, the Apostle Paul says, is what we put our faith in, what we believe. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now it goes on to say here, God uh, bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles. In other words, there was a lot of healings and so forth that Jesus did and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, this is referring to us. All of us, God equips with gifts. And in, in Matthew 28, verse, I believe, starting like in 18, the, the Great Commission, go out into the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We really have to get a revelation of what we're speaking about when we go to the nations. Not all of us are called to nations. Some of us are, are called to go. Some of us are called to support. Some of us are called to pray. But here is my, 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 my understanding according to Scripture. Jesus said, go into all nations. And another place he said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So wherever you are is your mission field. Your family is your mission field. Your workplace is your mission field. And if God has said, I want you to go to a particular country, that is your mission field. So the, uh, the, the, the writer here of Hebrews is telling us 
that God was confirmed by Jesus and confirmed by the Holy Spirit that works in us. When we go out into the mission field, still God confirms to the Holy Spirit that Jesus is whom he says he is. You know, when I, when Jessica and I went into the mission field and we went to Mexico, I, I, was, I was real with God. I said, you, okay, you put it on my heart to go into the mission field. And your word says that signs and wonders will follow those who preach your word. Signs and wonders. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So I said, Lord, if this, if this is your true calling for me to go out in the mission field, then signs and wonders must follow me because your word says that. So please confirm that in my own heart. If it comes a time that I have to pray for someone to be healed, that they be healed, to confirm what you have said, to confirm what your Holy Spirit is saying about Jesus, and so people can believe that it is God who has done the healing. And when I went uh, uh, to Mexico, in particular, I was in a church, and a particular lady came up for prayer because her back was, was out. And, and I prayed for her that God would heal her back. And she, 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 went, she fell down. And I, I, thought, I, I thought, oh, my God, you know, I thought her back is going to be even more damaged. But she got, <laughs> she got up. She got up, and she got up healed. So signs and wonders do follow those that profess and proclaim what the word of God says. If you ever want to see miracles in your own life, step out in faith. Because God, God will, through the Holy Spirit, now, just like Peter, it wasn't me who healed that lady. It was God confirming what I was saying that healed that lady. So that lady and others there would believe on his son, Jesus Christ. So the purpose is not for, for look at me. Peter would say, don't, don't look. Even angels would say, don't look at me. Don't worship me. The, 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 the focus and the attention is to go to Jesus Christ. And the mission field is wherever you are. And God will do miraculous things in your life and through your life when you really are obedient to him. He said, go, and I, I went. Now, he opened, he opened lots of doors. God opened lots of doors for, for me and Jessica. We went overseas to England, left the church in Spokane. I didn't know why God would have me leave a church, but we had assistant pastors, so the assistant pastors took it over. But God sends us to England, and England has us go to other places. And even while we're there, God opens doors for even the Air Force to say, here's an airplane, use it for ministry. And, and that occurred. God will open doors for you when you step out in faith. God will use you miraculously to heal, to do things that only God can do because it's him that's doing it through you. But we have to have a heart for the loss. I don't know about most of you, but there's one thing that grieves me the most, grieves me the most, and has taught me to grieve for those in the world that are lost. And what grieves me the most is to not, to think of not seeing a loved one, a family member in heaven with me. That grieves me. That grieves me. Um, because you, you, you love 
your children, your brothers, your sisters so much that you want to see them there with you. And for some of us, that could be our mission field, your family. For some, it could be a workplace. For some, it could be something in the city. We don't know. For some, God's directing them to nations. And God will direct you to wherever he has you. Every place you go is a mission field. Now, some say that's not true, but I say it is because Jesus said. He said, do it in your hometown, do it in the region, do it in the nation, or do it in the uttermost parts of the world, the other nations. So Jesus said the mission field is wherever you are, basically. right? But you have to have a heart for the lost. You have to have a heart for the lost. If you think about going to heaven and not taking the opportunity to share Christ with a loved one and them not being there, that, that's grievous. That's, so have a heart for the lost and God will honor that. And God will move by the Holy Spirit in your heart to make a difference in people's lives. That's what the Great Commission is all about. The Great Commission is about going out to the lost. Not that Calvary Chapel of Tacoma would grow. I mean, that would be a blessing if it did. But our ultimate goal is that the kingdom of God would expand. Amen. You know, the kingdom of God would expand. We're talking about the yard sale yesterday. And many came and asked when, when our service was. And we thought, we thought to ourselves, oh, we should make cards and give them for our service. But we should also have cards to give them for Nellie's service. And we should also have cards to give out for the other service on Saturday because that might be when they can attend. Why? Because our focus really should be the kingdom of God expanding. Amen. And if Nellie's church grows, the kingdom of God grows. Amen. If Pastor Jeremy's church grows, the kingdom of God grows. If Calvary Chapel of Tacoma grows, the kingdom of God grows. And we've had a part in that. In that. So the Holy Spirit's telling me I'm done. So I was going to finish chapter 2, but let me be obedient. Um, that great commission is important. And we live it wherever God has us. Our first ministry is our children. And I pray for my children. My wife and I pray for our children every day. Why? Because they're out there in the world. Our second ministry is wherever God takes us. We minister to him. So whatever, wherever God has you, whatever God has you doing, uh, be faithful and God will, will reward you and bless you and multiply well, we should be praying for Calvary Chapel of Tacoma. We should be praying for Evergreen. We should be praying for Jeremy's church that meets here on Saturday. Why? Because we're not just church-focused. We're kingdom-focused. We want to see the kingdom of God expanded. We want, as Pastor Joe says, we want to take as many with us as we can. And it's, you know, I, I, I hope God breaks your heart the way he broke mine uh, concerning the lost because truly honestly I, I would love to see as many people go to heaven as possible so that they could enjoy eternal life and eternal bliss with Jesus forever and ever you know every now and then we get a little taste of what it's like to live with Christ here but can you imagine what it's going to be like there and so our desires the whole world as much of the world as possible 
what go with this. Amen. So with that, I'm going to close with prayer. Or Actually, I'll let Pastor you want to sing a song. Let him close us in prayer. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Amen.